0: What about now? Check it. Oh. 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 Hey. Oh. Hey.
1: Hey. Hey. Hey.
0: Young Wing, Chicken Run.
1: What? Yeah. You know, we had Caitlin on that was talking about Chicken Run. I know. In, in what was it called in German? She couldn't well, do flyer. flyer.
0: <laughs> Hühnerrennen.
1: Yep. Oh. Hühnerrennen. Good for the Hunans If you don't know what we're talking about It's uh, another uh, Gemini's production podcast Called Underrated Favorites So you should check it out But that's not what we're here for today Nope Welcome hello to another episode of after two tequila shots taking M- my second one right now that's right my name is shibby my name is rooster and this is after two tequila shots the podcast where we talk about current events after taking two tequila shots it is uncensored
0: unfiltered
1: <laughs> unpredictable uh, but always distilled. distilled let's go people Oh, how are you today?
0: And ah. this is uh, a lovely, lovely Sunday. It's I actually mean, really lovely.
1: It is. It, it, you know, it's a lovely Saturday. It's a lovely Sunday. It's going to rain for the rest of the week, which is with for the rest of the day, allegedly. Um, But that's fine. Uh, I'm feeling the warmies hard, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a a good spot. Um, We're in episode 15, and that's why we're drinking this tequila. This is good. Yeah, this is good tequila. We're going to get into it in a second. Very much kind of like words and shit. We just started doing this thing without any clear end date or goal or anything, and we're now 15 weeks deep. Into this podcast, and y'all still hanging with us, so like, shout out to the listeners. Thank y'all very much. We appreciate you. My name is Chibi. I am a performer, poet, publisher, producer, and community organizer, and uh, she's feeling sun-kissed, okay? Yeah. Because finally, finally, the weather... Decided to stop being homophobic and allowed us to go to the lake and uh, had a good time. Had a good time. Happy hollow. I needed it. It's just a day of just like letting the sun rejuvenate. I'm doing nothing but like soaking in the sun rays, laying on my little floaty in Lake Travis and just like (sighs) disconnected from everything. And Mm. now I feel like, all right, I'm back. I can tackle the world. Chibi's back. Love it.
0: My name is Rooster. I'm an author, podcaster, person from San Antonio, Texas. And uh, I've just really been into the NBA... Uh, playoffs that we're going to talk about later, and Chibi's not going to know anything about. I don't know, no, not yeah. at all. But uh, I, I <clears throat> uh, having a, rela- a a relaxing Memorial Day weekend. That's what I've been doing. That's just right, staying
1: in, staying in, staying just fed, staying, eating yeah, things that eating, are edible, e- eating edible things, and <laughs> just keeping <laughs> and it. having a good time. Let's talk about this tequila because yeah. uh, it is a uh, it is our fifteenth episode. So you know, I wanted to go a little bit fancy, fancy pants. Um, Jose Cuervo Tradicional is is a line of tequila that's been on this pod before it's kind of a go-to it's usually what i buy when i'm just looking for like tequilas uh tequila in general to just keep around because it's a good middle of the road not super fancy not super expensive but still good tequila but we got the Cristalino version of their reposado. Yeah. Jose Cuervo Tradicional Cristalino is made of 100% blue agave. This Cristalino is a blend of our tequila reposado and Reserva de la Familia Extra Añejo. Now the flavors make sense. Uh, Filtered to create an exceptionally smooth tequila with notes of fruits, spice, and wood. So anyone that's like a tequila... Aficionado mm-hmm. knows that Jose Cuervo's Reservo de la Familia is like this is like ninety dollar, hundred and twenty dollar, two hundred and forty dollar tequila, depending on which one you get. They release a limited batch every year, and it's one of those that's like has been aged uh, over and refined and processed in different barrels and has like really complex flavors. So the fact that this is a blend of their reposado and that explains the very fruity, very um, palatable taste that I'm getting that, like, you can hold this one in your mouth and, mm-hmm. like, it's not like, oh, I got to swallow it. It's like, sort of deal. That's how I'm feeling about it.
0: Uh, I'm thinking it's overrated. Oh, uh, I'm good.
1: Wow. No,
0: I'm so. not. I think it, it comes in hard with a, a a bite and a and a twang that immediately attacks the tongue. Like, I don't feel like it's, like, it's not, like... Happy in my mouth. It's just know. like that. Felt different sipping it than shooting it. But it's very smooth to the point where, like, yeah, like I got a little bit of the warmies. I'm mm-hmm. mellow.
1: Take a sip. Yeah, just a little sip, rather than. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. It tastes like fan. rubbing alcohol. He's wow.
0: Yeah. With like a little extra fruit. Yeah, but like yeah. As you know, I get f- it. I think. Uh, Sometimes when when alcohol companies try to really level up their their product past their their especially past what they do well, Uh like then they start getting into dangerous territory. Okay, and I think that's what happened here. I think it's like okay, y'all are doing too much. You know, it's kinda like Johnny Walker if Johnny Walker tried to make a level better than blue label, it's like, <laughs> What are you doing, Johnny? You got it. Like knock it off. Uh-huh. So
1: I don't know. I feel uh, like I'm I'm a fan. Aren't I I great? think she's cute. I think she's got uh, a, a smoothness to her. Definitely smooth. Yeah, she's got a, a fruity forwardness to it. It, dissip- it It lingers in a way that I don't feel like it's offensively lingering. Okay. The way... Was it last week? Any, uh, yeah, last week was bad. Last week was offensive. The Casamigos. Yeah, that, that was... Let's put it this way. If... It was what was being served. I would gladly drink it and Mm -hmm. be very happy with it. Am I going to buy it again? Probably not, because I'm actually pretty happy with their, like you said, like their Jose Cuervo Tradicional Reposado, good tequila. No need to, like, build upon it. Plus, I do
0: like the smoky flavor,
1: and none of that's coming through. No, 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 but, eh, yeah. Yeah, but she's again, pretty. She's she does, fine. She does
0: her jobs. All Anywho, right. Well, that's uh, us. That's the tequila we're drinking. But let's get into the major news events of the week. Because so much happened
1: to y'all. This is going to be a three-hour podcast. Sorry, no it might be. So, okay.
0: first and foremost. Let's
1: start at the top. Rest in w- peace to the God. Queen of rock and roll. Tina Turner passed yes. away this week, and I think we're all... I don't I don't know necessarily about in mourning, because this wasn't like a shock kind yeah. of like death, right? You know, Tina Turner was up in age. She was having some health complications. Like, we all... Last time I saw her on, like, 60 Minutes or some show like that, I was like, oh, she's she's not looking good, you know, like yeah. it's, it's coming any day, but it is a moment to kind of like reflect on her legacy, legacy accomplishments, Impact. how like no, none, everyone that came after her, like she was the groundbreaking. I'm doing this shit that no one's done before. And then everyone after her, like just copied her. Everyone sort of
0: copies Tina. And I completely agree. Um It's, it's, uh, and then not just in the field of, of music. I mean, huge uh advocate and, Personality who came out as, as very outspoken about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even with her film, What's Love Got to Do With It? I mean, when I say that prior to her film, how under the rug it was, how stay out of your business things like domestic violence was, uh, to where afterwards, I mean, like there was just just waves of change that took place after her telling mm-hmm. her story. Uh, like that's, that's impact enough uh, alone to say that a person's an icon, but then you add the music, the dancing, the, the image, uh, the, the, uh, one of the things I love stage presence, the idea
1: of like, like what a production can be, what a, what a female fronted kind of like, uh, performance can Mm -hmm. be like, like literally paved the way for the Lady Gaga's and the Taylor Swift's and the Katy Perry's and like all of that, Mm -hmm. like without Tina, like that wouldn't have existed. It's like stadium. Yeah style the frenetic
0: dancing that just wasn't a thing that women did because Mm -hmm. it was just seen as immodest back then like you know that's the reason you have rihanna and beyonce Mm -hmm. and so many other women like shakira's even just dancing like crazy where yeah before it was just women would just kind of maybe do a little yeah a little snap and twist here and there and then she came out just shaking and just blowing the the roof off of it, like there there is no other Tina Turner. Uh, she is very missed, and uh, and then uh, one of the things that I think I love the most about her could duet like mm. with like like nobody else. Mm-hmm. I think the duet isn't as strong as it used to be. Now it's like you get features, yeah. But like I miss a good duet, and she did duets with like Elton John uh, and I think the Rolling Stones mm-hmm. even, and like she had a lot of duets where I was like, man, like Tina can just do everything. Plus, arguably one of my most favorite songs, the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome song. That song is amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, one actress, my, like yeah, she did everything. One of my favorite things about Tina Turner is when I found out that she had her legs insured for over a million dollars or something like that. To where like these legs were so iconic that she got insurance on her legs. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you 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 a boss ass bitch. Yeah. She really I'm a was a boss. I'm a boss. Yeah. Blah 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 boss. I don't actually know that song. Yeah. And you don't know the song that I'm talking about. No so it's fine. Uh, so yeah, rest in peace, rest in power, Tina Turner. Um, salute to you. We'll we'll take a, a sip, a sip, sip of tequila, uh, and we'll be. You
0: are appreciated. You will remain appreciated. Love. Next. Don't know how to transition
1: onto this next one, but it's going from really really sad to fucking hysterical, but also depressing. Governor Governor DeSantis was announced going to well yes did announce and so the leading up to it was like i'm going to there's going to be a big announcement and it's going to happen live on twitter with elon musk which was an interesting interesting uh kind of route to go and because we all know that twitter and the other person running for president on the republican ticket don't get along and then when people tuned in, it was just twenty minutes of technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. They couldn't figure it out. It was crashing. There was no audio coming through. It was a really, really big super let down.
0: I mean, let down is a weird way to phrase it. Cause like I we're not eagerly. I want the whole it. thing to crash and burn. So it's like, yeah, I wasn't like, oh. Is man. this
1: foreshadowing?
0: <sighs> no. I don't <laughs> think so. I and I wish it was, but I I genuinely don't think so. I think Ron DeSantis's Twitter. I, I I think the whole announcement in general well, yeah, speaks what, what, to how out of touch Ron DeSantis is about everything.
1: Uh-huh. Like
0: Ron DeSantis, and I mean the Republican Party as a whole. I think is very very out of touch, and, and they fight these really bizarre hateful culture wars uh-huh. but when it comes to hey fellow person younger voter than 48 years old they just <laughs> don't know how to tap through because yeah. even when the twitter feed was working it which was is, voice only
1: which is also what, or well i think that's what twitter is like they're yeah. they're like live could have done a youtube video and it would have done more numbers and that's what like super like confused me about this is Ron DeSantis's voter base is the 45 to 80 plus. year old Floridian. Yeah. And so what are you doing on Twitter? Like, yeah. wh- how does this in any which way, shape or form align with kind of like where you're at and who your target demographic is? And it's like it was this an I'm curious. as like, was this an ask of Elon Musk or was it an ask of Ron DeSantis? Like who pitched this idea and how did it even Get there. I, I think it was an
0: Elon ask. I think Elon has been trying so hard to be relevant in mm. the political sphere. And I find his tactics to just be completely 12-year-old, look-at-me, boyish mm-hmm. and annoying. It, it, like, for as wealthy as he is, for as successful as he is, like, not, I would never try to take anything away from Elon Musk as, as a successful individual. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, being an asshole, like, yeah, like, <laughs> I can't. 100%. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, you're rich. You can afford to be an asshole. But I, I, I always find it interesting when very rich and wealthy people such as him try to, to get into the political space. I do think it's a bit of a ploy to kind of, like, come after the murdochs and start taking over the future of conservative media mm-hmm. because fox is kind of starting to tailspin a little bit and newsmax is on the rise. I don't think newsmax will ever reach mainstream 100%. Yeah, knock, knock on wood. wood.
1: Um but because then we turn into a real v for vendetta like oh, moment yeah. cuz that's that's what newsmax is in in the direction uh, of
0: 1000%. And I think with Elon, I think he's saying that Political media, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, even all the way to NPR, it's it's struggling to get a foothold that it used to just take for granted, which was television. Mm-hmm. And that ability to reach so many eyes and ears and households uh, and daily conversation to where now it's like it's all just bite-sized digestible tweets or IG posts mm-hmm. and videos. And I think he, that's really where I think he sees the strength of Twitter at. And I don't really... At least I should say I don't hope at all that he becomes a major player in that realm because that guy is whacked.
1: Yeah. He's 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 loose. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a few screws loose and is and is a little wild. But I think that also speaks to like how he doesn't know what he's doing, where it's like here's this major thing that is clearly going to like flood the system. Right. And you're not prepared and you got 20 minutes of technical difficulties of like, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Is is, is this on? No, this isn't working. Should we try again? Right. And then when we finally do get to the announcement, it is all this like bullshit anti-woke ideology. Like the only people using the word woke right now are Republicans trying to push an agenda that doesn't actually exist. Right. Like no one's trying to indoctrinate anyone. But no, no, but it exists on Twitter. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of, again, it,
0: it's, it's, it's this Okay, snake
1: I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay off triple yeah, yeah, Twitter. Yeah. I don't know it.
0: No, no, totally. But it's the snake eating its own tail. And I think that's why it does make a little bit of sense that it's on Twitter, because that's where you can say a lot of this anti woke shit. And made up boogeymen for these issues mm-hmm. because the right wing voters who thrive on those spaces, they're the new mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who take this to the school board meetings. They're the ones who take it to the communities that they live in.
1: It was the whole masking thing that right. we saw Where like school boards were being fucking assaulted. Exactly. For just trying to keep children safe.
0: Yeah. And and now and I think Trump is the one who started this in the most like egregious and a bastard, I hate you sort of way mm-hmm. where he gets away with the whole what well, people are saying, quote unquote, thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's this, we live in this world where like, especially even with my own students or sometimes with just individuals I know, they like to bring up things like, well, did you hear? Or I, I heard someone say, or I read somewhere or I saw this thing. And they don't really gauge what credible news yeah. is anymore. Yeah. So who? what does it really matter? And if Elon is is the... You know, shit king of the pile who gets to like run the 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 major mechanism that kicks out v- people are saying, "Vill." Yeah. Uh, then he sees a future in that, and I, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It was good that DeSantis's announcement. Did not qualify as an announcement, in my opinion.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's official, I guess, kind of sort of now. He's been trying to rebound
0: since. Even Joe Biden dropped some some digs at him. Uh-huh. Uh, but we live in the news cycle where it goes and it comes. And I don't think it's going to hamstring him. No, enough.
1: no, not at all. I just I, I found it I found it quite enjoyable that uh, this this announcement that mm-hmm. had been anticipated for a pretty long time now. And then it's like, oh, we're going to do it in this really fancy way. And then it was like a complete crash and worse burn. worse than a Zoom
0: call. <laughs> it is so bad.
1: Worse <laughs> than a Zoom call. Uh, speaking of woke ideology or anti-woke ideology trying to, like, take over the world. So, Florida – Speaking of DeSantis, mm-hmm. has officially enacted and moved forward and uh, making strides and progress on their book bans. It's very bad. It, uh, Amanda Gorman got banned in Florida. Yeah, which is one of those things where it's like this was the the hill we climb, right? Like yeah. her her inaugural speech, yeah. the spe- the poem that she read at the inauguration of the current president. That book is banned in Florida. And for all I can understand, it's because the book is di- divisive. That was the parent is divisive. And it's divisive in the sense that it states that America's not perfect and mm-hmm. we have work to do. And apparently that's divisive. Right know uh, like,
0: I, I think, I mean, we know why it's targeted. We know why it's targeted. <laughs> yeah. It's it's targeted because it's this affluent or a, a young black woman gaining affluence in the creative space, sharing a stage with a president that the right wing just cannot mm. stomach. Uh-huh. And that's uh, hilarious to me because I can't either most days, <laughs> but it's, but their reasons for hating Joe Biden are wildly different than mine. Right. And jet, uh, but because she shared, shared space with Joe, I think
1: Amanda Gorman gave Joe Biden some credibility. The thing is, when you look at like w- the books that they're banning and everything that they are banning is essentially anything that d- that goes against the idea that America is perfect, white people have never done anything wrong and straight is the only way to be. Yeah. Anything that goes against those three principles will get it out. Get it out because yep. we shouldn't talk about it. And it's doing more harm than good because all of these children don't – there's a huge portion of children that don't see themselves represented in the media that is surrounding them and – Again, if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it, that whole thing. Uh, And what came out in the news this week, which was really exciting, was the fact that Penn American and Penguin Random House, along with a number of authors plus parents from the school districts, have come together in this countersuit where they're like, no, Florida, fuck your law, put our books back on the uh, shelf. Two points to this one. And maybe it's both points. Finally, Penguin Random House, like, where the fuck have you been? This has been this going on for time. a while. And you are like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, publisher in this country. And you're just sitting there silently while your books are being banned left and right. So finally, thank you, I think. I thought I think in that, I'm going to give them a little bit of
0: bail and I'm going to say... They were talking to their lawyers this whole time. <laughs> uh, I I think I, there is that. It's also kind of what's happening with Disney in Florida, uh-huh. where because they push back against the uh, Don't, say gay, don't bill. say gay Bill and what something else that we're going to talk about later with Target and H-E-B, mm-hmm. because you have the culture war fighting right, and it's really just in certain states, in certain pockets of the country, mm-hmm. that these national... You know, businesses like Penguin and Pan America are. And it's like, why go try and put out every little fire? And mm. maybe this is sort of an easy win because I don't know how you banned Amanda Gorman's home. Like (laughs) if anything go, you can ban Nikki Giovanni. Like there's so many other like, like poets who have written Uh more incendiary words than Amanda Gorman. Like that was a layup. All you had to do was not ban Amanda Gorman.
1: No. And this goes beyond because the, the authors that are in this uh, co lawsuit thing, you know, include like children's, Book yeah. authors, young adult literature authors. And again, it's anything that has to do with race, anything that has to do with sexuality, anything that portrays anything as whites as less than exceptional is what's on the the chopping block, essentially.
0: And this goes into w- the next segment a little bit. But before we get into it, I want to ask this sort of question or talk about it a little bit. I think we're at this weird culture war pivotal moment with parents versus the system
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I see this a lot in the news and then even with individuals who I talk to and I've even had like students who are also parents argue about this where it's like I have the I have parental rights to to decide what my child learns uh-huh. right this is the big push uh it's what everything this argument hinges on and in my opinion you don't you don't, you know what I mean? Like you can't just as a parent say like, well, I have the, and." or if you do, it's to a point. Mm-hmm. And the point is society. The second your kid walks out the door to interact with the remaining the rest of the rest world, of the world yeah. like they have a, a, an obligation to learn about the rest of the world, yeah. it doesn't have to fit your world view, right? But that's what parents parents can't even define that. Like do you know what I mean? These parents that I see in PTA meetings, or that I see, like I said, I've had interactions with, who 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 vehemently argue about, like, well, I don't want my kid learning sex. It's like, well, when do you talk to your child about sex? They don't. Mm-hmm. They literally don't. And it's like, so you have these kids growing up in this, and 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 in this world that's sterilized where Mm -hmm. they think it's, it's protected or they think it's, it's pure. It's not, it's completely sterile. So the second they walk out into a world where, where there's, you know, all types of, of, of of issues or personalities or characters, you are setting them behind Mm -hmm. and they don't understand. And like the only thing that they hold on to, 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 engage with this world is now a hate, mm-hmm. a brewing hate that the parent instilled in the kid. And now they just get angrier and angrier because they don't know how to talk
1: to a motherfucking person. They don't yeah. know how to talk to a gay person. They don't know how to talk to a black person. They don't know how to talk to a person from another country. Yeah. That's, and that's the interesting part about this lawsuit is that parents of children of the school districts where these bans are being put in place are part of the lawsuit being like, you are actively suppressing
2: Oppressing my child's, education.
1: My, my child's education and also my child's knowledge of themselves. Mm-hmm. My black child can't read a book about being black in America. Mm-hmm. Be so like, what about their history? Right. And then to your point about like exposing them to different lifestyles, different cultures, different all like that was kind of like the the big draw of like going to college, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago of like you get to meet people from all over and expand your knowledge base and all of that. Like that was the point. Like knowledge was the point. Yeah. And now censorship is the point And a very narrowed view of what is, quote unquote, right mm-hmm. is is what's trying to be dictating. Like we they fight against this as like, oh, you're indoctrinating our kids into blah 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 blah. No, you're indoctrinating all of society into thinking white is right and straight is the only way to be and nothing else. I mean, yeah, they still think exists. gay is a choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They still think gay is a choice and somehow heterosexuality isn't a choice. They still think that the big finger of God is gonna come out the sky and smoke everyone and
1: yeah, like when you think about it, you know, it's so just a, a dig move. Yeah. Just saying. And you know, honestly on on the um On the face of, like, the people that are making these, the the Ron DeSantis and the Greg Abbott's of it, it doesn't actually feel like something that they genuinely, like, care about. It just feels like, oh, this might get me ahead in some way. Like, this is the move to, like, it feels political. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually feel ideological in terms of, like, oh, I subscribe to this, like, wholeheartedly and and genuinely trying to protect the children. Like, no, this feels like, oh, this is a political piece that you're going to move and it's going to gain you some voters and you're going to get more powerful and that's all you're trying to do. Grab power.
0: When we talk about the obligation of the individuals on the other side of everything we're talking about, so not the Ron DeSantis's, not the Republicans, not even the right. Um, I think that's a conversation to have, and I'm not saying we need to have it now. But what I mean is, I think that that's also what re- like one of the biggest hamstrings to American progressivism is that people really just want to go through their day to day. They want to earn their paycheck. They want to go see the new Spider-Man, you know, Miles Morales movie, the new Little Mermaid movie, Fast X, whatever, and go out to eat at Applebee's or whatever. They just want to live their life. They don't want to fight culture wars because the irony to me about all of these fights is it's that... Most of these people don't interact with any individual of of, of, of the, that these culture wars are about. Yeah. And they don't stop your day-to-day from f- functioning and flourishing. At all. And so I, I think with that in mind, I do think that there is this fire that's not maybe being I don't want to say I'm pretty sure it's ignited. I'm pretty sure it's 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 happening that that you have activists on the left or activists in this we'll call it the radical centrists who <laughs> who really want to to see change happen. The Shaggy Gossards of the world. Shout out to Shaggy. Who who feel like there's more common sense that should be triumphing over this moronic, you know, uh, hyperbolic wave of of chaos that, mm-hmm. that we're living under. But I, I think we need to to start really ironing out what is our obligation. Mm-hmm. Like, because I don't know anymore, but I don't think we can just sit here and not.
1: Yeah. Move. The the issue that I see is that, like, the people that are that are mobilizing against all of these attacks are the people that are directly affected. Right. Mm-hmm. You see trans activists, yes. LGBTQ activists coming out to fight against these. You see black activists coming out to fight against this. What we don't see is everyone else that just isn't currently affected. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the. <clears throat> I hate to akin this to Nazi Germany because, it, you know, no, like, no, yeah. but I that's exactly you. where it goes. Yeah. Where it's like, it starts here and then they slowly take over that, then they take over the next, and then they take over the next. And then it's like, I mean, I write it in one of my poems, you know, like by ignoring the issue, you're not safe, you're just next, yeah. you know, and it's only a matter of time before they come for you in some which way, shape, or form. At yeah. this point, it's women, it's queer people, it's black people, like, where like the only people who are safe are cis straight white men you know like it's immigrant like and not even them
0: because some of them are poor rural cis straight white men yeah who with bad education systems and no you know high speed internet and all types of of issues in their own shout out to
1: another podcast I was listening to this is from the New York Times it's called Matter of Opinion Mm -hmm. Uh, and they the episode this week their opinion uh, op-ed columnists that had come together to talk about an issue Uh, the issue this week the name of the podcast was originally Do men even matter in the 21st century, Mm. which is analyzing like, well, men don't have role models like this idea of what it means to be a man in this world has been so skewed because of the rise of feminism, because of the rise of queer people that like straight white men don't know what to be. So they gravitate towards the Joe Rogans and the, you know, like Mm -hmm. hyper masculine. Uh, The funniest part was like when I went back to like finish the episode, the name of the episode had been changed Mm -hmm. (laughs) because apparently Do Men Even Matter in the 21st century was too on the nose. And they changed it to "What does healthy masculinity look like in the 21st century?"
0: I see this a lot, and and since you mentioned that pod, I'm actually gonna go look for it immediately. Oh, it, it was really because great because this is something that I look at a lot, and it was there was a whole like I catch so You're many. You're more
1: in tune with uh, cis head ma- masculinity, I, I get, than yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and but also like the media surrounding it, and I see so many videos of of, of men like saying what I find to be completely, I mean, deplorable is the word. And I know mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, Hillary took that word and made it bad, but it's the most fitting world word where it's this adversarial relationship to even their own partners, mm-hmm. even, you know, the future, even hope. And like, even though I hate his fucking show from the fifties and sixties, there's no Andy Griffins anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Do you remember mm-hmm. the Andy Griffins yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. Like there's no like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no, there's no, and we had a conversation recently about like the idea of metamodernism and shit where, Mm. which is a whole other conversation. But I think there is no, to your point, masculine, straight male figures anymore who aren't completely, uh, like broken or, Mm. you know what I mean? They're Mm. like, they
1: have these dark, backstories and, mm. and and it's all fictional crap yeah even these even the ones that we see that are like uh, that are being kind of like idolized are the like Harry Styles and like Tim- mm. Timothy Chalamet's of the world where like it's this embracement of masculine and femininity yeah which has and happened so, forever yeah but that's why like cis straight white men that are like, Ur, what does it mean to be a man? Like, don't know They're what having, to do with themselves. A whole identity completely. crisis. Completely, you know, and like, what this podcast was pointing out was that, like, the studies are showing that they are falling behind, you know, in the education and system. Everything. They are falling behind and in the pay, workforce. Pay, they are falling behind yep. in all of this because, like, one, what it meant to be a man was, like, grow up, be strong, join the army, join the labor force. Go like, to college. Doesn't yeah. exist anymore because a lot of those jobs have been replaced by automation, by robots by Mm -hmm. whatever and so these like think jobs that require you to like and soft skills soft skills uh are being dominated by women right now because dude i literally
0: went to a graduation the other day uh for uh palo alto college and i was like it just hit me at a certain point i was floored at the number of young women walking across the stage versus men and it Mm -hmm. wasn't like i'm floored like oh that's a bad thing i'm just like this is what like these men are t- arguing for and mm-hmm. yet there is no result. And this is that Fugazi shit. Yeah. This is that fake goal bullshit where y'all follow the Joe Rogans. You follow these alpha. Uh, you're a wolf at heart. There's three wolves inside you fighting for dominance bullshit <laughs> where you don't even understand that. Like the simple basic tools of, of survival in the 21st century mm-hmm. you are far behind mm-hmm. and like you can't pass an english essay you can't pass basic mathematics you have no soft skills like if if it, we don't need you to lift heavy shit anymore because mm-hmm. we got fucking robots mm-hmm. like you are becoming obsolete yeah and rather than just adapting to evolution it's this weird culture war that we of like
1: sticking in. your stake in the ground and being like wait no I'm yeah. gonna have to fight for my peace you know Yeah,
0: and I mean they also argue the whole like soullessness of capitalism versus like what the wilderness used to have and sure like I see some of that
1: but yeah. like there's some truth mm-hmm. to that but at the same time there's at, at the same time if you look at if you want to talk about the wilderness and the natural world if you look at every other species in the natural world the female species is the dominant spe- like is the dominant yeah. g- um is the dominant sex in those species species, man the male species is just kind of like you're just here for sperm yeah and that's that which is a perfect segue into our next segment speaking about men being obsolete and also you said a lot of words that i don't actually know what you're talking about because i don't subscribe to that so we're going to move into our next segment Which is one of us doesn't know what we're talking about. And we actually have two things to talk about this week. So, yeah.
0: Because
1: you had posted this.
0: And I was very interested because I was like, I know these words, but I don't know how they relate to uh, major news events. Yeah, yeah, So break it
1: down for us, Chibs. Here we go. So speaking of men being obsolete, uh, IVG, which stands for in vitro gametogenesis, uh, made a big splash in the news this week. And so essentially what that means is doctors in the lab took genes from the tail of a mouse. Okay. And then they used those genes to create sperm cells and egg cells of that DNA. Mm -hmm. And then they inseminated said genes, said sperm and egg cells. And then they implanted that embryo in a female mouse. And then that female mouse gave birth to healthy mice pups. We're going to... And so they essentially... Created life out of without the need for like Sex. a sperm cell or a, an egg cell, like just uh-huh. using DNA. Using, you know, let's go using DNA out of your hair follicle, you know, they were able to create sperm and egg cells and create new life that for all accounts and purposes seem healthy, new life, everything is fine. And so speaking of men being obsolete, the only thing that was needed was the womb of the female mouse in order to birth this. So (laughs) do we need men anymore if we can just like take your DNA and create sperm cells out of it? Right. And so they're talking about this IVG as a way to give people the option to have biological children right if a woman is infertile right she can't produce her own eggs but maybe we take your dna and we can produce an egg cell that can your child can still be lgbtq relationships exactly you know like gay men uh, uh, lesbian women that (laughs) together can't Produce a child, but we can still take our DNA, my DNA, your DNA and make it happen. Let's go. However. Okay. Here's where it gets interesting. When you add in the next layer, which is what we've already had in terms of CRISPR technology, where you can genetically modify. Make it a combo. The DNA. Yeah. Does this lead to designer babies? Absolutely. And what are the ethics of that? And then it got me thinking, we were talking about this before we started, the movie Gattaca, which a lot of people don't know. It's a great movie. Underrated favorite. Absolutely. Prop, maybe going to be on the pod. Oh, it's 1,000% going to Okay, so if you don't listen to underrated favorites, go like, subscribe, subscribe. out there. Uh, but essentially, it's an old school Ethan Hawke movie, Jude Law, Uma Thurman, in which the world that they live in is all designer babies.
0: It's a it's a it's a caste system world mm. where designer babies who are made to elite perfection standards mm-hmm. Dominate the political power, financial power, all sorts of power, and anyone who is, I guess, for A lack natural of, birth, natural birth, uh, they're essentially
1: just the help, the, the outcasts, yeah. the custodians, the yeah, the help, the and they're like not, low and they're, level, they're kept out of of actual. Jobs, occupations. And barred from. Regardless of yeah. whether or not they might be capable of doing said right. jobs and advancing in society, they're completely barred from it. And so this raises – this is the question. This is what is currently being talked about in genetic sciences of like, OK, so now – We've gotten the technology for it. And like, sure, right now we're at mice, but like they're saying. We're at mice now until the mice take over and we got (laughs) to
0: bow to our rat overlords. In
1: five to ten years, it could be a reality that like we could be making. Alien. Designer. Designer babies in. So like, you know, just posing this out there as a like you've done no research on the topic I did a little bit of a deep yeah, dive because I don't again are you know, talking about in, in <laughs> it, it, being in a gay relationship like I would love my children to be biologically, biologically yeah. like mine and my husband's um so your thoughts on all of this I think this is a huge step
0: forward I l- I think this is honestly where I do like science going in a lot of ways. <laughs> I'm not against CRISPR babies. Like I don't think it's this thing of mm. like, well, we, because we're not at a place yet where it's affordable, for the average – because I think that's sure. the fear. Like, uh-huh. well, then everyone's going to do it. It's like, Aaron, calm down. Everyone can't afford that. You know what I mean? But like, then does
1: then – because the only people that can afford this are the rich people who yeah. are then getting their designer babies. Does if this further that, push us in the direction of the caste system of Gattaca? But why do
0: they need crisper babies when you're rich and can already procreate? Because, because I think that's you, the side of it
1: now. Sure. But then if you had the option of having a natural baby and whatever comes out comes out – Versus being like, well, I want this baby to be six foot four, you know, have blue eyes, mm-hmm. have an IQ of X, Y, Z, make sure that none of these, you know, like hereditary diseases come I think you're giving rich people too much credit. I don't know. Like, because I think. When I, given the option to
0: rule the world? Well, but see, you're getting to the end point of this, of this <laughs> hypothetical, which I can totally see. Like, I can see that. But I think you're giving them too much credit on the now part of it, which is that, like. Do I see someone like a Kim Kardashian doing that, or may, or maybe n- not her because she already has her children, generation. but like uh, you know, like a Kendall or wh- whichever one doesn't have the children. I don't know, <laughs> uh, or some next level, really famous, really rich person like Elon Musk. I can see him trying to do that, but you're talking about generations and generations of CRISPR babies who have to then grow up and then take political power.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I, I, I mean. I don't see that within our lifetime, so I don't want to get too far ahead of it. But when we do live in a world and this is this this is my pushback, I think that currently we live in a world of genetically modified fruit, food, mm-hmm. beef mm-hmm. and poultry and fish. <laughs> and I think we're having an uptick in a lot of unhealthy. Diseases, And I think some some even rise in diseases that maybe we didn't even either know before or maybe it's just becoming more prevalent because of the food that we eat uh, that I think having CRISPR technology available to where you can sort of make new kids uh, less susceptible to whatever childhood diabetes mm-hmm. or. Uh, Who knows? Autism. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Autism, Down syndrome, all sorts of things. And that's where the ethics of this comes in, right? And where there's a lot of – on one side, we have people talking about the ethics of AI. On the other side, we have people talking about the ethics of genetic modification, right? right? Like we're expanding into what formerly was science fiction and now is reality. Mm -hmm. And if anything science fiction has showed us is cautionary tales of don't go down this road – you're not wrong. You know? And on one hand, yeah, I'm really excited about this because I would, again, yeah, yeah, I would love... love yeah, biological child. I would love to have my biological child with my husband also being the biological yeah. father. You know? Like, I think that would, that would be beautiful, you know? But where do the lines get drawn? And then do those lines actually get enforced? And then where does the black market start to play into it? Like... I mean, when you're talking about
0: the actual um, government sort of safeguards Mm -hmm. to something like this, I think we're always behind. Mm -hmm. So maybe we need better safeguards. And maybe this is what the conversation really is. Okay. It's just that like, we're talking about this because even going back to something I said, which is like, you know, like, yeah, like there's parents who want to avoid their children, having things like down syndrome, autism, childhood diabetes, and things like that. Like there's people living with that now. And it's like, mm-hmm. we
1: love y'all. Like y'all are great. Yeah, like, and they don't want to pass it along it, to their children. Right. right. Or, or, not, or even not, not, yeah. not those, but like, yeah, you know, yeah. like a uh, genetic. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's, that there's people who are completely, you know, uh, uh people with dwarfism you know it's like is are these things that we're, we we want to get rid of because it's like we're saying that you're bad
1: right it's like i I think that's where it becomes a moral issue exactly and And that's where the questions start to be it's like all right so if we're we are now dictating like this is what the perfect human should look like and sound like and be then does that mean everybody everybody else is you know flawed in some way and should be looked down upon because of other things like it gets very ambiguous i mean
0: that eugenics is always been a horrible complicated racist like arm of science Mm -hmm. and this is exactly why because the people who could probably afford to do it who are at the front lines of this probably don't look like us you Mm -hmm. know uh probably cis hetero men at a lot of the 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 head of this (laughs) whole thing so it's like uh Do we need more Rupert Murdoch's? I don't think so.
1: And I would not call him a designer baby either. He's definitely not a designer baby.
0: And then like I I think morally – or not – this isn't morally. This is philosophically. I think – I'm about to wax poetic. I think (laughs) there's something about human
1: flaws
0: that we should never try to – design out. Sure.
1: Because at the same time, it's it's kind of like All those, all those perfect people were just fucking boring. It's
0: yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, it's like a poem or like a, or even like a film where like we have limitations, whether no matter what, like people are born into a world of limitations. And I think sometimes we are, the struggle is sort of how do we define who we are in response to those limitations, Mm -hmm. but also what makes it beautiful is how we overcome in the face of limitations and how we make, you know, art or or master our own lives or master beautiful families mm-hmm. and, and, and and success or whatever the fuck form that that becomes uh, based on just having lives of, of people who, who've spent generations trying mm-hmm. to figure it out on this earth. Yeah. So to just say there's a magic bullet for it, like everyone loves a magic bullet. I wish I was, you know, 40 pounds lighter and had a six pack. Uh, and a jawline, but God damn it, Carnegie <laughs> of Tacos are awesome.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, to speak on the the side of art, it's like that's usually the art that is like most compelling and most intriguing and like most human is like where we do examine these, these uh, struggles and triumphs and questions and the imperfections of humanity is like where we find the beauty in it, mm. of it all. And so to have this – Uh, You know, we're not there yet, but it's kind of like the questions are being raised because they see the scientists see the trajectory of where this could go. And it's like we need to start. Unlike the U.S. government, it's like we need to start putting in regulations before things happen. Scientists
0: (laughs) always need to put the regulations before the government because that's how Jurassic Park happens. Oh, Lord. Completely switching gears, though. Entirely switching gears. So one of us don't know what we're talking about. Right.
1: So where I don't know what's happening. Uh, this what's just, happening in the NBA playoffs? This is going
0: to be very brief, but it's it's fascinating. So we're in the Eastern and Western Conference finals. The winners of these go off to the finals, right? Uh, for the first time in a very long time, you had two teams that are, are on both sides of, of the East and the West. Uh, so four teams that were both having three zero leads because it's best of seven. Okay? Okay. So both sides, best of seven. On the Western side, you had the Denver Nuggets and the LA Lakers, and Denver just won. It was a clean sweep 4 0. Wow. But then on the Eastern side, and this is where it got, it's getting real funky, Okay, is you have the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Miami had a 3 0 lead. Yeah. And no team in NBA history has ever come back from an 0 3 lead. Oh. But the Boston Celtics, have now pushed it to a game seven. They said, I'm going to park my
1: car in Scotland Yard. and Scotland Yard at the bar. And we're going to go <laughs> very far. And they my are. My apologies to everyone that lives in Boston. My
0: favorite Boston story ever is when I was at a bar downtown Boston with my homeboy, Creepy Larry. Shout out to Creepy Larry from Denver.
1: Always welcome on the pod.
0: Always welcome on the pod. And uh, we met a guy named uh, his his name was Mike, but we called him Boston Mike because you know it was
1: Boston. He's from Boston.
0: And uh, he was like, "Where are your boys from?" And I'm like, "Texas." And he's like, "That's great, y'all got oh the women there are beautiful, great accents. Not like here here they sound like just terrible." And this poor bartender waitress comes by and she's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, and he turns he's like, "We talk about how Boston women sound terrible when they talk because of how you talk." And she's like, "Shut your mouth, you bastard!" And he's like, "You see what I mean?" I'm like, "Damn, I love it here, and I would move." here if you know y'all
1: weren't just it wasn't so cold Boston. yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, so Boston Celtics Game 7 That's where we're at uh, That's happening soon Happening on Monday And okay. then that's gonna Determine who goes To the final So oh you don't goodness. know What
0: I'm talking about But shout out to Jimmy Butler Okay And uh, Always welcome on the pod Always welcome on the pod <laughs> uh, Yeah Jason Tatum Welcome on the pod uh-huh. uh, But beyond that Who are
1: you going for? Who are you rooting for?
0: I, the Miami Heat Or the Boston
1: Celtics? I, I
0: have a homie of mine Long term homie Who is a Miami diehard, uh-huh. And so I'm giving him the support, even though he can be an
1: asshole when okay. it comes to my team from time to time. Okay. Uh and I don't really like the Boston Celtics for reasons. What would be a more interesting finals? Denver Nuggets versus Boston or Miami. Mm-hmm.
0: So what would make for a better game? Technically, a better game would be Boston, but more interesting would be Miami. But one of the big problems with the NBA is they like to center their marketing around uh, superstar players. So like uh, the LeBron Jameses, sure, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's, and 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 uh, and Kevin Durant's, and Steph Curry's, right? Uh-huh. So the, the the league loves when you have like Golden State versus like. Boston Or uh-huh. like these Or New York City The New York Knicks Right Because it's easy to market The fan bases are there The rest of the The, the, the nation Everyone tunes turns in out Than to- when it's Denver Versus Miami sure. Or San Antonio Versus You know uh,
1: Orlando I mean now But you know now, No it's not been this like way, way Six forever. years ago
0: Oh yeah no Six years ago They hated you know,
1: us when they had like the, They like the don't Tim like
0: San- and No and they the- didn't like us well, that's why I'd be hardcore for San Antonio. They hated us. What? They were like, they're like, they're so boring. Even though we win, they were just like, they're this, uh, this is like, they just want more dunks. They wanted the superstar shit. Yeah, 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 we weren't yeah. about that. Okay. So I think that's the thing is, is the whole question of, you know, we, we as a people, just got to get to a better place of appreciating the moment.
1: Uh-huh. Appreciating the now. Yeah. So come game seven, let's see what happens. Well, I won't be watching tomorrow sure so you'll have to let me know what happened yeah next yeah three. we'll let you know what's in the finals uh, so we'll see we'll best see. of
0: luck to both teams and uh let's kind of kick it to our next section
1: where we ask y'all how much for a gram how much for a gram shit we saw online that maybe we need to talk about episode 15 hey. 15 hey. Uh, I put this, I, I sent this to you I think it's, it's with a question pardoned. mark, uh, because I don't know how much, um, this might have better fallen under one of us doesn't know what we're talking about, because I don't think I've seen anything past movie one, uh, but there was a series of tweets um, about Fast and Furious X, right? Is just that, dropped. Yeah. And the movie just dropped, and... Let's just be honest. The franchise has been absolutely ridiculous. It's the most insane.
0: Movie tri- like franchise, like be,
1: beyond Bond, right? Because even Bond in 007 has its moments of like, really, this man can do all this thing. Beyond that, and so the the series of tweets was somebody asked like, when was that moment in the Fast and the Furious franchise that you realized you had to just suspend disbelief because none of this shit is real? When
0: John Cena turned out to be Vin Diesel's brother? <laughs> Don't even know
1: what you're talking about. Yeah, that was that was there was nuts. something there was a there was one clip with like The Rock like putting his hand yes, on the ground I or something. It. No, to, he was like, riding an iceberg. He was
0: riding an to iceberg. To catch a, 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 a torpedo uh-huh. that was on the iceberg, like
1: and and then then redirected, and
0: redirected it at another thing.
1: There was another moment where like Vin Diesel, like jumps out of like a car that was spinning through the air to catch another girl that was flying through the air. And then they like land on the hood of another car. And they're like, all right, we're fine. Yeah. You know, it, so, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about with this. Uh, I'd like you to lead the conversation. Um, Ask me a question. I don't know. Like th- this, I tuned out well, after we like have, movie two.
0: Here's the thing: we talk about franchises enough on this podcast. Uh-huh. I think we have done a disservice to the Fast and the Furious franchise because they by not talking about it a little bit
1: because it's it, it's, it's a still thing. going on. There are and, how many movies in? Uh, ten. This is ten. X, uh, okay. Yeah. Roman numeral. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't for for Flash.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's like 10 fucking films in. They lost Paul Walker. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. Yes. And they kept that shit going. Everyone thought like, oh, well, they got to stop now. They uh lost Paul Walker. No. No, they kept going.
1: We got to keep going. You know who keeps going? Familia. Transformers. That too. Why? Because... I've heard, I heard it's, like, actually, like, true to the story, no.
0: true to the comic. No? Well, no, not just that. But also, it's just that we—here, we love spectacle. And, uh-huh. and Transformers, I won't lie, because some of those, when I may have it ingested in Edible, <laughs> is amazing. Uh-huh. Because you're like, holy—like, they just—it's just splashing so much movie at you.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: I think there's—I think there—that's what has changed in cinema over the years, where— growing up seeing even like a person like the Terminator, right? Like uh-huh. in Terminator two, yeah. when you see like the liquid metal guy, just walk through like a jail bar and it's like, and he comes through on the other side. You're like, Holy shit. Like mind blown. Yeah. How the hell do they do that? We're now we're just at this point of spectacle and awe where we just have to have people Kung fu fighting with fucking cars Uh like a a, a McLaren. We
1: need Godzilla versus King Kong. And (laughs) it's just,
0: we have to have it now because we've just gone so far away from.
1: We've um, been desensitized
0: or hypersensitized. I don't know about that. Well, you play a game, Dead by Daylight, which is literally like bring out every single horror movie icon and go stab, stab, stab.
1: And it's that's some like hyper violent shit. But, and I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Yeah, I'm it's hyper violent. Like, but like we've been desensitized to the point where we're like, oh, yeah, you know, like just go stab, you know, people mm-hmm. sort of deal to so where like we're so de- we're so used to these kind of bigger things that now it needs to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause yeah. otherwise we're not stimulated.
0: One of the things we talked about on the other pod, uh, underrated favorite shout out to that, go follow it and subscribe <laughs> is, uh, how chicken run only had the one movie. And I think, and this, I, I don't know if we talked, you and I specifically talked about this on the pod, but I know I've had this conversation with other people, which is, I feel like we are the generation of franchises. And mm. I think that's what kind of, when sometimes mm. in terms of popular culture, where we feel, disconnected because whereas someone from the 70s can say leonard skinner that was my band led zeppelin that was my band Uh aerosmith or whoever the fuck you know tina turner uh where what is our movie what mm-hmm. is our what is our, our our artist? You know, like please we
1: can, don't let Fast and the Furious be the defi- it definition. It kind of that is. It like, if it's
0: making that much money and that much cultural cachet, Vin Diesel looks old as shit in this movie, and I laugh <laughs> when I see the when I see the trailer. I swear to God, when I see the trailers, I'm like, they're gonna do Fast Twenty, and he's gonna be in a golf cart yeah. on yeah. retirement. Come course come for us, listeners.
1: Come for us, Fast and the Furious diehards. Give a fuck. Yeah, you're, I'm. I don't subscribe, and you know, you're not wrong about this idea of like the the franchisement of it all and how like everything is just like a a repeat or a a redo of something. Like we're seeing, you literally are seeing that in the next Flash movie yeah where we're just bringing back the original Batman because like we don't know what to do anymore. Like Hollywood doesn't know how to connect with with American audiences anymore, but to give them the same thing. And part of that too is there's a comfort in knowing what you're getting. Sort of deal, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, like, when you go to a Fast and the Furious movie, this is what you're going to get. Like, that's what you signed up for. And, like, there's no surprises. And, like, you you enjoy that adrenaline rush, right? There's a comfort to that. And there's a risk in giving audiences something that is not what they're expecting.
0: Mm-hmm. And it goes back to something we were talking about earlier about cis hetero men not having What do we say, hero? uh, Role role model, a a
1: guide, an example of who to be. So, like, do this is is a movie filled with that. where you can
0: just pick and choose. Am I Han? Am I John Cena? Am I Vin Diesel? Am I
1: Are these healthy, you know, examples (laughs) of what masculinity should look like? Not at all. Because I haven't, again, I checked out after like. Yeah, they're not. And this goes back to the masculinity of it all. Like as I was listening to this podcast, I was like, none of these struggles relate to me because like I was queer. So I immediately rebelled against all models of masculinity (laughs) and was like, none of these apply to me. So therefore I don't have to fit into it. And if I don't have something to fit into, then I can just be me, whatever that is. And I can just carve out my own path versus people that are trying to like find something to emulate. Sure. I remember when the first Fast and Furious movie came
0: out and then the earliest ones after there was this thing, especially among my friend group, which was at the time, mostly heterosexual, just like dudes from the block. Like there was this connection of like, yeah, like, you know, family it found family in uh-huh. this very masculine sort of way. Uh-huh. Whereas like I bros. I, I, bros and like the bro culture really came from that idea because prior to that, it was more like, yes, you have Top Gun and and, and, and films of that ilk where it yeah. happens, but it was still very much like, this person's your competition. And in Fast and the Furious, it's like, no, they're not your competition. They're your family. Mm-hmm. They're who you build with. And found family as a heterosexual male like idea. Sounds it's, really gay. It, it's, well, one, it sounds so gay. <laughs> and then two, it's just so like surface level and yeah. not deep.
2: Uh-huh. It's like,
0: wh- how do you know that this person cares for you? Cause they commit crimes with you. That's right. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that guy's going to hold you down forever. Cause we robbed this 18 wheeler, out in Frisco, California. No. It's no. like, no,
1: how about, you know, he held space for you? I can't. Yeah. I can't. S- <laughs> wow. Where's that? Where's
0: that fast and furious? Uh, That's what I want exactly. to see. Exactly.
1: How about like we sit down and we actually talk about your yeah, problems. We went, you went to know, therapy. Like, speaking of gay, this was another thing we saw. Target and H-E-B? Let's talk about it. And H-E-B versus well, the homophobes? Well, Target caved to the homophobes. Look, okay, so... Well, we got
0: to talk about it, yeah. H-E-B, however, is loud and proud, this pride. Okay. And for those who don't know, we fucking will shoot people in the
1: face for H-E-B. That's right. Uh, if you're not from Texas, you don't know what H-E-B is. I think we've talked about it yeah. on this pod, though. So, like, covered you, covered should, you, you should know Go at back this point. Listen. But the news was that... Target has come under siege, apparently, By uh, by the homophobes for, you know, having Pride products, which they've done for 10 years now. And I think this goes back to our earlier conversation about, like, now these homophobes feel empowered. Like, oh, now we can do something to, like, you know, be homophobic and there's going to be people that defend us versus, you know, just being like, no, you're homophobic. It's post-COVID,
0: like, Karen knocking over masks
1: at a Mm -hmm. Target. It's it's post-Trump. Yeah. Is what it is. That's what it is. It's post-Trump. That's a great way to put it. So because of these... A lot of it was digital media, social yeah, media attacks. a lot of this
0: hadn't even dropped yet.
1: None of this happened, and it was all social media-driven. And Target has now decided to, like, pull back some of their Pride products. And some of it was just genderless swimsuits. Yeah. It was
0: like, hey, how about genderless swim trunks? Mm-hmm. And the homophobes were like, you are indoctrinating our children into it's like into it swim trunks? It had nothing to
1: do with children. They didn't even release children's sizes. Yeah. This was for adults, right? And this is true trying to create a space in where, yeah, swim trunks for a trans woman is a very vulnerable place to be. So they're trying to create products and have them out there to where like, you don't have to go digging through the archives of the internet in order to find like swim trunks that make you feel comfortable, just like going swimming during the summer. Going we, to the river. Yeah, going to Hippie Hollow. Wherever. Well, there's no swim trunks at Hippie Hollow. Hey. <laughs> it's, and, it goes back to like the Bud Light thing. Uh-huh. And I, I will give Bud Light some credit. They stood in it. Yeah. And they haven't really wavered. Their um reasoning for this was the safety of their employees, which is like where-, mm, where, where we That's s- a cop out. Well, where we saw, we saw this in the Bud Light of it all to where like people were like destroying Bud Lights in the stores and like when store employees tried to stop them, they were- were fighting them they were throwing cans of bud light at them like it was getting violent
0: but see this is where i think the fight against fascism at a minimum has to exist Mm. like i'm not saying if 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 people those karens want to kick over masks that are for sale at target or you know swim trunks pride gear Uh or bud light Fucking let them like let capture it on tape, put it out there, and be like, "Look, these are the ridiculous people." The same way, and they just call the cops
1: and like have them arrested for yeah,
0: like how it was back in the day where like you had angry mm. mobs of white people because black kids were trying to go to school and, and desegregate. Mm. It's not this. It's not different. Yeah. So like, let that live. Yeah. Capture it and say like, but you can't live in an, 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 an ugly moment in history mm. and then try to sort of like backtrack, backtrack and then for safety precautions, because if you do that, you lost. Yeah. Like, I think,
1: you know, I, at the root of this. And I think Target those... came
0: out. Sorry. I think Target, that makes them Fake-ass allies. Yeah.
1: I think at the root of this is, going back to capitalism, is probably employees just being like, I don't get paid enough to deal with this shit. Pay them more, and Target was like, "Well, rather than paying them more, we're gonna pull pull out." Yeah,
0: and Uh, and then we, I know you know this because we've you share memes about it all the time. Where as soon as June hits, it's like the company is awakened to their gayness.
1: Everybody wants to be gay. Everybody, everyone starts post and like, and And no one's had a problem with it until like now. Like people feel empowered to be like post Trump, be like, "Well, fuck these rainbows," and it's like, how fragile is your heterosexuality to where like a rainbow? is you know somehow a attack on your entire existence like shut the fuck up and take seven seats please yeah (laughs) (laughs) i got i got nothing like that was so what's the h-e-b of it all because i haven't seen that so h-e-b has now
0: put forward a lot of their pride uh facing uh gear Mm -hmm. and one of it is a bag that says y'all mm-hmm. like in rainbow colors y'all means
1: all means all yeah
0: and, in my li- and yeah they and, stole uh, it from me <laughs> and,
1: yeah go ahead i'm gonna on. go sue h-e-b yeah no don't sue <laughs> h-e-b like
0: ask them nicely first because they may just pay you yeah, yeah, yeah. They, we love h-e-b license for it
1: that's but, gonna uh, lead into something else
0: but uh yeah. they started they started their campaign and they're they're standing in it they're mm-hmm. like so uh opposite of a target they're like no we're standing in it and you see how we are and hey, h-e-b
1: don't give a fuck nobody does more than my h-e-b god damn right saying that again finally on how much for a gram and i just threw this in here today because a colleague of mine sent this to me uh was this real uh about latinos wait a colleague sent this to you yeah we should put this in uh ayo get at us in the dms um no, because he sends me re- like uh, reels okay, on the right. Re- like this is a gotcha. thing. This like this just like ha ha ha. Yeah, got this it. is this is the nature of our relationship where he sends me like seven shout reels a day. Shout out to those friends
0: though. Yeah, seven I do reels that. a day. I, I, sorry to the homie Chris. <laughs> I, uh, shout out to the homie Crystal. Shout out to uh, yeah Michelle. Yeah, there's just people I be sending fucking reels to
1: all the time. Y'all are great. I am mad at it. You know, I'm here to be like exposed to whatever else is not showing up on my pod uh, on my timeline because, like, I don't want it. <laughs> so send it to me. All right, we're going to play this um, and then talk about it.
2: Next. Good morning. I am. Uh, I, you speak Spanish? Si, sí, si, sí, al español, ¿cómo le puedo ayudar? Sí, vengo por un chequeo general. Mm-hmm. ¿Tienes cita? Sí, sí, tengo cita. Okay, ¿Cómo se llama? Guilty. Carolina Costello. ¿Cómo, perdón? Carolina Costello. ¿Cómo? Carolina, Castello. Carolina... Castello. Costello. C- Carolina Costello. Carolina Costello. ¿Me puede deletear eso, por favor? C-A-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C-E-R-O-C Carolina Castillo. Carolina Castillo. Carolina Castillo. Sí, sí, Carolina Castillo. No, ¿cómo? Carolina Castillo.
1: Carolina Castillo. Ah, ok. Sí. es que Castillo. No,
2: Carolina... no, no puedes enredar más la lengua. No te quieres checar la lengua. Ay, pero. En vez de hacer un en ro... examen de sangre, la lengua, checate, babosa. No, no Qué costó. Carolina Castillo es. No tiene que ser tan grosera, no se así de grosera. Ay, qué, ¡Qué ridícula! Todavía pregunta: ¿Yis yep, Spanish Y venir torsiona. a cruel no <laughs> ¿Es que mi amiga ¿Es que es Carolina Costello? Oh, no, me pagan lo suficiente. Pero si sí voy a pasar, pero espera su turno, por favor. Ahí está su ficha. Ok, gracias. Next!
1: Okay, we don't have to go into the rest of it. Uh, that was a reel from Jonathan Vasquez. Uh, You can find Jonathan Vasquez on Instagram, J-O-N-I-L-L-O-V-A-C-E. And I just thought it was really interesting in the, you know, like Latinos being very, very Latino, but then trying to like... You know, integrate, anglify, anglify their, their, name. their names. Yeah. Carlana, Costola. No, I'm, I'm a victim. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> your name is Rooster. No, my name is Christopher. And see, but it was always- <laughs> But it was always thing. Christopher, wasn't it? Like, is no, that no, what's no. on your
0: birth certificate? It's, that's what's on my birth certificate. See, my yeah. my mother did this strange thing where, because historically here in San Antonio, like my grandparents got the ass beat for speaking Spanish yeah. in school. Yeah. So as a result of it, uh, it 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 matriculated through my family, and my mom was like, Oh, I want a biblical name," so she chose Christopher. Christopher, but but not Cristobal. But see, no, that's the thing. I am Cristobal in my family. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like on paper for the Gringos, I'm Christopher, uh-huh. but like all the time, there Cristoban, Cristoban, And It's like that's really interesting. Yeah. So like that's why. But I've always had issues with my name my whole life because. Then growing up in mostly Anglo schools, there was a lot of Chris's. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, I've always had nicknames, like mm-hmm. my whole fucking life. Uh, and never w- was really like, yeah, my name is my name. And then family wise, it was, it was, it, it went between like Chris and like Chrissy. It was like, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, it just happened. I was like, yeah, fuck it. So uh anglifying names. And then my brother's Patrick you know like i don't know you know like not patricio no he's patricio at home but yeah everywhere else it's but patrick patrick uh and so like that's just what we lived under like Uh my mom and but my dad i found out later he wanted to originally name me emilio and then my mom was like no we can't do that like no
1: so like on the flip side of that like on paper i am manuel roberto yeah you know because like I was born in Mexico. My parents came from Mexico. You know, like it, they wanted very much Manuel Roberto Orduna Carretero, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this very, very Mexican name that then got turned into manual, mm-hmm. Manuel Roberto for the longest time. And so I was like, fuck I know that shit. Yeah. I am not a man. I am not an instruction booklet. I had that temper no. tantrum at third grade. Yeah. I am not an instruction booklet. And so, in third grade, decided I'm going to change my name to Robert mm-hmm. because I'm tired of this, mm-hmm. right? Because Manuel is also just hard on the ears. Yeah, Manual. Or Manny. I knew a Manny. Fuck yeah. that. Or, yeah. Fuck all of that. At least for me. N- no, not no, no. to dog on the Manny's of the no, world. No, I'm dogging on it. <laughs> not, I'm doing it. Yo, hey, you're Manuel, okay? I'm not dogging on it. You know, like if Manny fits, because there's some people that there's I've met cool that are Manny's. It's like, oh yeah, no, that fits. Yeah. You're a Manny. I'm not a Manny. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll You're a be Chibi. I'll be a Manuel wow. well that's the interesting you know like we both landed on like nicknames yeah. that have nothing to do with our yeah. actual name you totally. know like everybody knows me as Chibi. everybody knows you as rooster yeah so
0: colleagues at my job call me rooster
1: <laughs> swear to God everybody at my job just knows me as Chibi. I don't think anybody <laughs> actually knows that Manuel is like my real name yeah um so it it's where I'm seeing the interesting uh evolution of this is is now people, Latin folks that are maybe first generation or second generation, like they're now having kids and like are naming their kids these very, very American, like english word names with like various sp- spanish oh, last okay, names got you, you yeah. know kind of like a um melody rose ortega oh and i changed yeah. some of the names in there but like that kind of like idea where it's like melody rose ortega yeah. is gonna grow up to be like melody ortega or something right and this anglifianess of like Carolina Castillo can't just, can't just be Carolina Castillo. She has to be like Carolina Castillo Castillo.
0: Yeah.
1: Why? (laughs) I mean, I know why, but like, I think there's a layer to
0: it also that should be talked about Mm -hmm. because sometimes, especially in the, like we are me too and hip Latina shout out to y'all. Like, um, like uh, Latino influencer spaces. Mm -hmm. There's this, this, understanding of a lot of the different intersections that latinos live in but one that i find interesting because i do see it a lot is uh like latinos and and from my vantage point mexican americans who live below a certain socioeconomic level like i got cousins and tias who name their kids like these very not anglo names but like the Jacksons with a XC uh-huh. and Nevea shit with also the very Mexican <laughs> surname.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's funny to me because I think it, it, for them specifically, it turns into like uh, some, I don't know, name that, that, that produces, uh, sincere sincere upward mobility yeah yeah like, like it okay. just sounds
1: like a regal like an important person kind yeah. of name yeah sort I see of deal. a lot
0: of those a lot of Jacksons being born interesting in the hood it's look
1: and I like I talked about it uh, on the it. other podcast underrated favorites which like we've talked about a lot <laughs> on this podcast for some reason uh, but during the um, faculty conversation yeah. where like I thought Stokely was the coolest see, name and I was one, like yeah. I want to name my kid Stokely because that's such a cool name but then stokely or dunya guess Stokely. like guess is a chingadera yeah. stokely, stokely. stokely. yeah yeah. It'd be oh! yeah it would be a stokely <laughs> <laughs>
0: there was a there was this one video that was cracking me up it was about uh it was it was also damn i wish i would have sent it to you uh it was names of like anglified names that then eventually get changed by mm-hmm. like uh, Latino Hispanic grandparents specifically, uh-huh. so it was like an Estocli and, and some other ones, Skyler. Skyler. yeah, <laughs> or uh, yeah, like, yeah, they call them Cielo because it's like, you know,
1: oh, yeah. I mean, I even thought about like this was, I don't know, more than 10 years ago when you know, I was c- considering going into a career as an actor or public, whatever. Uh, well, like, what would be my actor name, right? Because, like, you know, actors change their birth names. To Be yeah. actors like that's historically been a thing, and I was like, All right, well, if that's the thing, then I want to go in and be Roberto Carretero. It's a good name, it's a good name, right? And it's my middle name and my mom's maiden name, Roberto Carretero. And even if they anglicize it, it'd be like Roberto Carretero, yeah, which it still kind of like sounds interesting. Roberto Carretero, that's <laughs> it's got some Sasson on it, right? But like, what this is. This is the interesting, I think the interesting thing that we're seeing is that more and more Latin artists are not willing to do that. You know, the Pedro Pascals of it all, like he's Pedro Pascal. He's not Peter. Mm -mm. You know, he's Pedro. And that's, that's what we're sticking by, you know.
0: Gabriel Garcia Bernal.
1: Yeah. Gabriel Garcia Bernal, which turns into Gabriel. Yeah. But still the exact same spelling, you know, like Sofia Vergara's. Yeah. She's Sofia.
0: (laughs) J-Lo.
2: No. See, but 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 J-Lo is a a
1: prime example of Jennifer Lopez, not Jennifer Lopez. Ricky Martin. uh, Yeah. Ricky Martin, not Ricardo. Mm -hmm. Ricardo Martinez. Mm -hmm.
0: Or Enrique, right? Wasn't he Enrique?
1: Is he Enrique? He might be Enrique. He might have been, yeah. But it's still Enrique Martinez Mm -hmm. turned into Ricky Martin. Right. And so, like, why do we feel the need to anglicize ourselves in order to be like palatable to white audiences? But I think what this reel did, which was really interesting, was like somebody who's like, Mm -hmm. you speak Spanish and like having a whole blown ass conversation in Spanish and then being like, but this is my name, Carolina. Well, shout out to the poet uh, Professor Jay from Austin from Uh back in the day. I remember having
0: a whole conversation when he would come to San Antonio and we'd be like. Oh yeah, uh, Julian. Julian. I'm like, and then I asked him. I'm like, are you Julian or are you Julian? He's like, well, I'm Julian, but I live in Austin. I yeah. was like, oh, okay, I understand. Well, I mean,
1: that's my sister, Julia. Yeah, Julia for the longest time, like was just Julia until she was like, no, it's it's like who, like like the word who. You just Julia instead of Julia. Just say who. Yeah. And started correcting people. And it's like, no, she's Julia. We're making the English language better. We're, we are. We, we're putting the enye
0: in. We're because doing the ha huh instead of the job. Ja.
1: As poets, John. I think as poets, we can objectively say that English is a shitty language and Spanish is so, so, harsh. so
0: yeah. yeah. Germanic I think is the harshest, but like there's still some rhythms to it. There's uh-huh. a melody. English is
1: just i. There's so many other languages that have like so much more vocabulary that's mm. just richer than English. It's just English is boring. Yeah, let's get out of here. Tequila. Te- ah.
0: Tequila. Oh no, we got one. Oh yeah, one more section. <laughs> this section of the podcast.
1: <laughs> I'll get at us or going down in the DMs, depending on what you wanted to uh, call it, is people. Telling us what they want us to talk about. Let's yeah. go. And
0: uh, this was a question posed to us on Instagram from the homie Jr Estrada uh, about the Andy Warhol court case where Andy lost in Andy Warhol, the you know famous pop artist of, of Andy
1: Warhol fame of
0: Andy Warhol fame. <laughs> uh, did a image likeness of Prince, which came from another photo. Taken by a completely different artist, and that artist sued and won, and Andy lost the case. Um, general thoughts on
1: that? Okay, so I did a deep dive on this mm-hmm. and read the article, and then read a few other articles around it. Yeah. So the backstory here is, Vanity Fair was doing a article on Prince. So Vanity Fair bought the license to of a photograph of Prince from this famous rock photographer. And then they used that photograph as the inspiration for Andy Warhol to do a series of artworks that, you know, use that as the inspiration. And then they used one uh, photograph, one of those artworks. That was what Vanity Fair ran with. Everybody got credited and paid and all that jazz. And then years down the line, they decided to do like a retro of sorts Mm. and used a different photo. That they licensed from the Andy Warhol estate, didn't credit the original photographer, paid the Andy Warhol estate a whole lot more money. And then the photographer was like, wait, like, fuck my drag. Right. Like, where's my credit 20 years later or whatever the case may be? And fought on it and ended up winning basically the Supreme Court 7-2, to 2, which was an interesting divide, uh, said because the photograph is intended for commercial use. And the artwork is intended for commercial use, then therefore one is infringing on the other, mm. even if you bought the license beforehand. Right. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it because when you go back down to the purpose of it, the purpose of the photograph was to showcase Prince as an artist doing what Prince does, like, you know, rocking out, right? The purpose of the image then used that photograph to create different commentary and created a new piece, I would argue, uh, than the original photograph was. So now these two are independent. Even though both are consumable, they are independent works of art. Right. I'm not happy with this decision, I don't think. I I, I
0: don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know. And it's not because I'm not familiar, but it's because I hear you. But I also think that, If Andy Warhol took an image from someone else and was making a comment about Prince through that image, then it should also be incumbent on Andy Warhol to get his own fucking image of Prince. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because if you're taking the work of someone else sort of like in a postmodern sort of way, like then you're also making a comment about that. But that's not what they're doing. They're yeah. kind of erasing the photographer from it. And then – And that's that is, was the argument that they were yeah. making
1: about the, like the Campbell's Soup of it all. Right. Like uh, Campbell's Soup, the image of Campbell's Soup is – the purpose of it is to promote the product. Right. By taking the image of Campbell's Soup and making these like artworks that right. he ended up doing, you're no longer promoting the product. You're now making a comment on capitalism and consumerism, right? right? So it serves a different purpose. Yeah. Same
0: w- with Marilyn Monroe. It's about how we literally digest pop culture, yeah. and and not in and, and in a sense they are so generic. Yeah, like the Campbell's soup is not art, and to a certain extent, Marilyn Monroe isn't art. But we consume them mm-hmm. in this way. Yes,
1: and I wish that the article had had links to the actual images because I maybe would have been able to form a better opinion. It's the exactly same it. image. It, exactly the same. It's, it's
0: yeah. He like made it. I think pink. Oh. Like it it was Yeah. I and oh, so I that's know. why I don't know where I land on it. But at the same time, like and then then you get into the fanboy of it all where you have like the Andy Warhol heads who are like, Well, your photo was great of Prince, but Andy Warhol made it a thing. Sure. And that becomes complicated because then we had other uh cases as well that we were talking about, sort of like Ed Sheeran, who was just recently sued by Marvin Gaye's estate or individuals involved, uh, the Blurred Lines song that was Mm -hmm. also successfully sued and lost money Mm -hmm. uh, uh, to the Marvin Gaye estate where you have these, these individuals who hold the rights to something Mm -hmm. and then what that is, means and when is it valuable and is it valuable later in life versus in the moment and Mm -hmm. then how art itself can be transformative and, you know, you take something and then make it something else Maybe. because yeah, I love the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But that's a ripoff of literally all these other characters and putting it in a new context and making it something more interesting. Yeah. And and it's w-
1: making it something else. Yeah. It's what was literature and now making it into a movie sort of thing. So what was interesting to me was the Supreme Court landed on this that seems to differ from a previous – uh, decision that they had made and this was back when Two Life Crew <laughs> was being sued Shout out to by Two Life Ray Life Orbison not specifically Two Life and Crew Roy Orbison it yeah, was fuck, yeah. Luke Skywalker Productions yeah. uh, their label and it wasn't specifically Ray Orbison but like their production company where there was the Roy sorry no, no you uh, yeah.
0: Stan Roy Orbison Roy
1: Orbison did Oh Pretty Woman yeah. and then Two Life, Life crew, crew took the melody and changed the words changed the, the words and whatnot and so like Roy Orbison like sued two life crew and whatnot the supreme court landed on the two life crew side of it all saying that you know like a work is transformative if it adds something new with a further purpose or different character altering the first with new expression meaning or message right yeah. and that's what they had previously landed on and now they've landed on this where they feel like it doesn't like to me now is the supreme Court acting as art critics, do you have mm. the you know, knowledge question. and the education to be able to say that it actually adds something new or doesn't add something new? But
0: then you also have to look at the race and socioeconomic point of that, because who are the critics? Because I bet I mm. guarantee you can get like a number of critics who will say, No, this Andy Warhol piece adds something and it does mm. all this other shit, but they're probably all like white
1: dudes. Well, to go back to the poetry of it all, this goes back to howl and other mm. poems, right? Yeah. And And, like, the obscenity trials that went around that is, like, does it have something substantive to say? Well, who gets to say what is substantive and what is not substantive? Or what's
0: pornographic and And all that. And what's not pornographic.
1: And, like, I look at this because, like, so I'm working currently on, like, a spoken word album uh, in using music. I'm not a musician, right? But in order to form this album, I have... Obtain the license to use certain music, and then on top of that music, I've layered other sounds, I've layered, you know, like, my poem on top of it, and so it is no longer just the the song itself. It has now become something completely different. It's the poem that is layered by music underneath it. So, like, according to this, I would have the right to use that music. But then does this new court decision say you don't because both are consumables, right? The song yeah. was a consumable and now you're putting out a consumable, but I've created something different because it's no longer just the song. Now there's meaning because there's words on top of the song. I've added my own sounds to it. Like you gotta where look does up, this, where does this line get drawn?
0: You got the line might get drawn at DJ drama, like <laughs> straight up. So I come from an era, the mixtape era where you had a lot of artists, whether it was 50 Cent, Chameleon Air, Lloyd Banks, you know, T.I. Like Puff Daddy samples a lot of music, right? The thing about sampling is, is you say, OK, you you call those artists or you call their company or whoever owns the licensing and you say, hey, I want to sample your music. And, and Daft Punk is a great example. They pay a lot of money for a lot of the samples and loops that they do. Mm. However, they do a really good job of taking either very small cuts and making it larger things. Yeah mixtape was wildly different because in the mixtape era they would say let's say you're jay-z chibi and you have 99 problems the the song right uh-huh. and i'm underground artist from san antonio texas and i say I've, i'm just taking that beat i'm not altering it but i'm gonna rap better than you did on that song gotcha and so i have 99 whatever and i make my own song um What it would during the mixtape era, that's what happened all the time. There were so many albums that were made from beats by other producers and things like that. But in hip hop at the time, there was this kind of unspoken rule like, you're not going to sue someone for this because why would you? They're doing it only themselves. A lot of times it was independent. It was like, no, we're not going to waste the energy on it. And if it turned out to be a hit, like, do you want to be that person to be like, oh, your song is better than mine? Uh Yeah. So, but when you get to the capitalism of it all, record labels don't care. Yeah. They don't want someone making money off of your beat. So like sting recently sued juice (laughs) world rest in peace because juice world had the song. uh, I'm sorry. Young people who listen to the pod, which I'm sure none of you are. Um, So like Sting's song, uh, shape of my heart was sampled for a juice world song that became a hit and sting sued him. And like sting could have took, ninety like nine percent of royalties plus like anything that had been made at that point but juice world talked to him and was kind of like look i'm just some young kid this was the beat i'm sorry like i'll give you your credit i have no problem with that and like yeah. and sting was actually very cool about it he said you know what fuck it we're good uh but it's not always that way and i think this is one of those things when we talk about credit and when we talk about art and who put in the the key Sasson that just took it to the next level Uh or took what someone else did, whether it's a photograph or whether it's, uh, uh, I mean, shit, I almost got sued once for taking, making graphic art that looked too similar to someone else's. Oh Uh,
1: yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I was
0: like, (laughs) dude, you can't copyright graffiti. Like, uh, it was, but whatever, like it's, it's always going to be a hard fight. I always side with artists. At the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And I think that was the point that the dissenting um, group of justices was making is like the Supreme Court taking this stance is going to stifle art and is going to stifle art moving forward because all art, science, and there was one other category, but art and sciences. Always build on what came before. Have to. There, there is no original thought. Right. Let's just be clear about that. Everything that you think, every new idea is not a new idea. It is building on an idea that has already happened. Yeah. Right? And that is the point of progress. That is the point of evolution and like what comes next. And so, yeah, you're going to take something that somebody else did and you're going to be like, well, how can I – Evolve that. How can I make it better? How can I use it in a way that changes it? Right? Mm-hmm. How can I uh, modify it in some way? Which is a lot of what Andy Warhol was doing. Was like, let me just take these things that exist and like put my own spin on them. So, it. So I'm a rasquache.
0: That's literally what it is. San Antonio is is. I don't I see it in other cities but I feel like it really thrives here but uh, rasquache art d- d- we d- love d- rasquache. define
1: that for the listeners that rasquache
0: don't. Rasquache is, is 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 a Spanish word that essentially it's when you takes uh an not just ideas but just sort of uh it can be anything trinkets you know, product, and, 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 and it's usually seen as something useless, and then you reappropriate it to then make art or something different and use it for a different purpose. It's almost like a hand-me-down clothes is sort of the easiest way of sort of, I guess, putting it together. But here in San Antonio, a lot of our artwork we take from, like, Big red logos, and then put you know our <laughs> whatever poetry logo on uh-huh. top. We take we took the Spurs logos. We took logos. the Spurs logos. Don't, uh, yeah, yeah. don't come for us. Allegedly, don't come for us.
1: But we took the Spurs and logo, it and the made the Purosuelo logo,
0: and yeah, and like and and so it's this way of sort of taking something, reappropriating it, and making something different. Uh, for different purposes or just to be interesting. And I I don't know, like I'm for that. Like I think that's at the heart of pop art and I think that's Mm -hmm. at the heart of, is it the most original thing? Like no, but at the same time, I think we live in a very unoriginal
1: world. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of the franchise of it all. Speaking to the
0: Rod DeSantis Uh, Twitter fucking announcement for presidency Uh, of it all
1: Fast and the Furious of it all and just uh, let's get the fuck out of here people (laughs) but we appreciate (laughs) y'all Yeah, let's get let's let's get out of here. Let's transition. Uh, I thought I honestly thought we were gonna be here for like three hours because there was so much to talk about. But I think I think we did a good job of keeping it succinct. We put, yeah, we kept the button uh, on and, it and 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 really hitting the points and smoothing on through like this tequila, which I thought was very smooth. And you're still not a fan of
0: not a fan. You're not, just looking not even, at it.
1: Yeah, you're just looking at it like I'm not looking forward to taking because it's shot
0: looking of at me like yeah. You think I'm crystal? I'm not. You home. want me?
1: Yeah. What are you looking forward to?
0: I am looking forward to having a, uh, just the rest of this summer, you know, this is uh 2023 summer. I think, uh, I'm going to, I think I might go take a trip or two. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just Cause my, you have a book. I do have a book coming out and I'm excited for it. Um, uh, yeah. Hit the
1: streets, hit the roads. Let's go. Let's go. Um, what are you excited for? I'm going to Spokane tomorrow. Oh, yeah. It's very, very random. Going to Spokane. Going to go do a show there. But I'm excited. I've got a number of uh, Pride shows coming up in which I uh, am producing said shows. Cool. And uh, also in slash hosting, um, which I'm really excited for. And then I've got a couple of uh, features wherein. I'm going to be recording a live spoken word album. Coming soon. Yeah. I've been been producing these tracks on the back end over here, just like on the downloads, trying to get these right. And I think I'm going to not think going to record a couple of live spoken word albums uh, coming to you soon. Wherever you get your music, maybe I don't know. Like this is uncharted territory for me, um, but I'm I'm really excited yeah. uh, for what's to come. Like I keep listening to the tracks and like practicing them, and I'm like this. I, I think it's damn good. good. I think it's fucking damn good. And uh, I'm I'm shooting for a Grammy. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah that's that
0: well we want to thank listeners for tuning in Always. be sure you uh, check us
1: out on social media Chibi where can they find you you can find me at Gemini's G-E-M-I-N-E-Y-E-S uh, on Instagram or Gemini's Poetry on Twitter even though I don't know what the fuck's going on on Twitter <laughs> Brewster where can they find you uh, mostly on Instagram R-O-O-S-T-M-T-Z
0: uh, thank y'all so much for tuning in this is our 15th episode we're excited and we we'll are just keep doing this until y'all say stop
1: we are so happy to be here and we're so happy that you're here if you have anything that you want us to talk about, like slide into our DMs, let respond on, po- on uh, Spotify. If you listen on Spotify, uh, let us know because we do listen. We listen. And then we talk. Yeah. Tag uh, us in, uh... in the things. Like and subscribe, please. It helps us get the word out there. Uh, but we'll see you next time, people. Peace.